This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, the Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prude. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, great stuff. Lace him up for some beast talk right now. I'm looking at a It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome to episode 183 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. And the Bruins got their 61st win of the season tonight, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs 2-1 at the TD Garden. David Pashnak scored his 57th goal of the year, finally. I know you know, the first uh, three quarters of last podcast, I thought he already had 57. Sue me. It was one goal off, people. Um I guess the good news for the Bruins in this game is that they really didn't play all that great in particular uh, outside of the second period. I mean, outside of the first period at the, the last two periods were they're okay. Not, not great. They also were undermanned. The good news is that they found a way to win yet again for the 61st time. Um, wasn't all good news during the game. Charlie McAvoy left the second half with an upper body injury. Uh, there's more updates on that. So there's, Spoiler, there's no need to panic, but Bridget and Scott, your your initial takeaways from the Toronto game. Yeah, I didn't really think either team really brought their best. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like, after the game, the Bruins kind of talked about it as if, like, it had a little bit of a playoff feel. And, you know, they talked about how it was kind of a, a grind and, you know, wasn't wide open. And, like, that much was true. But it didn't definitely didn't have playoff intensity, at least – at, at times it did, you know, there Greer drops the gloves. Um, there are some scrums had the way through a bunch of hits, but I thought the game was like a little flat through, I don't know, 40 minutes more or less. And third, third period was good. And then Bruins went in an overtime, but um, yeah. So, you know, uh, yes, the Bruins were undermanned. Obviously Krejci misses another game. McAvoy gets knocked out basically almost exactly halfway through the game in a collision with Bergeron. Um, Jim Montgomery said after the game that they don't believe it's anything serious. Ruling him out for the rest of the game was more precautionary. Although it does sound like he might sit another game or two just because, you know, why take any chance at all? Um, so even, you know, so Bruins are under him and, just for that reason, it's an impressive win. But I didn't think it was Toronto's best game either. I thought they looked a little flat at times. So ultimately, I'm not sure we learned a whole heck of a lot from this game. But, you know, as the Bruins try to build some momentum towards the playoffs and set their sights on this wins record because, hey, it's right there for the taking. Now they only need one win in their last four to tie it. Two of their last four to get it and yeah, find finding ways to win. Even when you're not at your best, when you're undermanned, like that's, that's a good thing to have. And they have had that all year. And they've especially had it down the stretch where they keep winning games. Even if guys are resting, getting games off rotations, different lines, it doesn't seem to matter. They just keep winning. Yeah. And, and, you mentioned it wasn't Toronto's best game either. It, de- it definitely was not their best game. Um, they got O'Reilly back in the lineup. He'd missed about a month, and he didn't really have much of an impact on the game. Matthews had, like, one or two chances that were good, but it was you're right when you say it was flat. It was kind of honestly a little bit boring um, for a Bruins-Leafs game, and I'm sure people paid a lot of money to go see those. I mean, those are kind of games that you mark on your calendar. Obviously – this season, no one could predict that, you know, it, playoffs would already be set for the Bruins and it wouldn't be a game that was quite as meaningful at the end of the season as maybe in years past. It could have, you know, been of more consequence. But, uh, yeah, I didn't think it had a playoff feel, despite what some of the guys said after the game. For Swayman, I think, at the very least, for Swayman, he had a good reason to feel like it was a, 
more of a playoff test because he, I mean, obviously it's a team that he could face in the playoffs. Um, he wants to be playing at this time of year against high caliber teams to get himself ready for the playoffs. So um, I guess I'll throw it to you guys for that. How, you know, what kind of a test was it for Swayman? And um, he had a good game. So I just want to hear what you guys think of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a really good game for Swayman. Uh, you're right. He was the one who was tested at, you know, probably playoff caliber level. Like, especially the first half of the game, the first two periods, the Leafs had some really good chances. Um, you know, point blank, like high danger chances. Uh, they had guys who crashed on a couple of rebounds that Swayman had to get reset for. And, you know, obviously he's been playing really well for, for quite a while now, but yeah, I definitely thought this was a great game for him. Um, he was really on top of it. And, you know, the Bruins, I, I thought Samsonov made some good saves too. So both goalies were, were pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, you could easily say like Bruins probably lose that in regulation if it's not for Swayman. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he's the, um, it's just an embarrassment of riches for the Bruins in that, uh, I mean, you have Lena Solmark first in the league in goals against average at 1.90. And then obviously Swayman's third or not, obviously, maybe you don't know that, but he's third, uh, for goalies and goals against average at, uh, 2.2, uh, save percentage. Swayman is fourth amongst goalies shutouts. He is fourth amongst goalies. So, I mean, um, he's more than capable if, if his number is called in the playoffs and we've talked about it in the past and Scott was a proponent of, and I don't know, maybe you still are Scott. Actually, it's maybe a good time to circle back on, on that. But while we're talking about the goaltending, but Scott was a proponent of potentially doing the um, alternate goalies starts in the playoffs. Um, if they were to do that, you have two guys that are in the top five in all categories. So uh, yeah, good, good showing for him against the Maple Leafs. Definitely had some really point blank saves. One on Marner in a slot. Forgive me if one of you guys mentioned that earlier, but uh, yeah, he was really good. And um, I'm just really confident in this in this tandem. If one of them falters, I I the Bruins the goaltending is not going to be an issue for the Bruins in the playoffs, in my opinion. So um, yeah, that's my two cents on the goaltending tonight. Yeah, and Charlie Coyle, when he was asked after the game about Swayman, was talking about how he, you know Swayman's kind of an underrated under under the radar kind of guy, especially um, this time of year when everyone kind of already, I wouldn't say everyone, but I, I think a majority of people pencil Olmark in there when he's not necessarily so far ahead of Swayman that it doesn't make sense to keep the rotation or um, I don't know. I, I'm not as I, usually in the past, I would have been like, would have been saying, no, just, pick the one but they're both playing so well that i i don't really have an issue if they decide to choose one or go with a rotation i think either would work um i and i liked it the idea of keeping swayman active in the playoffs and getting him in there um it, i think that the dynamic they're so used to it that it'd be a little bit weird if they went away from it um in terms of like a mentality wise yeah i i know it's a losing battle at this point because i don't think they're gonna do it but I still would rotate. Like, I, I just think both are playing so well. And again, you continue to have just historically great goaltending in terms of how much better they've been than the rest of the league. Like, so I just checked again. My, my favorite stat to follow this year is the difference between them and both the league average and the second place team. Bruins currently 929 save percentage as a team. Uh, Second place is 9.15, and the league average is 8.99. Like, it's crazy how much better than everyone else they are in terms of goaltending. And they've gotten that historically great goaltending by rotating goalies for the vast majority of the season. Now, obviously, we did see them, you know, just last week give Allmark two in a row, and that was kind of... It was interesting because Montgomery said that he anticipated anticipated starting both goalies back-to-back games at some point just to like give them that experience. So I wonder if that's still the plan, like 
Swayman hasn't gotten that yet. So I wonder, you know, I don't think he's going to start Saturday. Like, I feel like they're going to give Allmark New Jersey, but I wonder if maybe they're thinking about that next week at some point. Like, maybe Swayman gets Sunday and Tuesday or something, and then Allmark gets the last game, so he's not going, you know, almost a full week before game one. Like, I, I could see something like that, but, um, you know, or if they want to give Allmark another back-to-back games, like, they could do that as well. So it's going to be interesting how they handle these last few games. I do think, you know, it in the playoffs, it's going to be all Mark until, until he either falters or he's just played so many games in a row that they think he needs a game off and they feel like they're in a spot where they can afford to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I would rotate like I, I know like it sounds crazy just because no one does it, but in my mind, it just doesn't seem that crazy based Mm-mm. on how good they've been. I don't think it's crazy. I think that I think that they have such a good relationship too that it would be weird for them if one of like I don't know if that if guilty would be the right word, but I feel like they like whoever's getting the start might feel bad and feel guilty that, you know, they're best friend is just chilling there waiting for them to you know make a mistake and it just seems like not the dynamic they've had this year you know i gotta be, i gotta be honest with you too i think it's crazy that you two don't think it's crazy to to alternate goalies every other game in the playoffs i and i, I usually so, would huh I said, I but you, yeah, I know, yeah but look they can they can both have a 0.0 goals against average all year long i i still think like and Scott, I think I, I, Bridget, I think you may have been away when we had this this discussion on one of the episodes, but like I am all for both goalies playing throughout the playoffs. I just I but the the every other game to me, I just feel like while the pros for it are that you're giving teams a different look every other game, you know, you're keeping the opponents on their toes, you're keeping them guessing, you're keeping both goalies sharp. I get all that. I do. But I I like if a guy is feeling it, I can't stick him on the bench. I just can't do it. Not in the playoffs. Like, like not saying to not play both goalies when it feels appropriate, but to force a rotation, in my opinion, I it's, it's, it makes me feel uncomfortable. That's the best way I can describe it. So God bless. Everybody has their own opinions on the matter. It's America. Um, (laughs) But it just makes me feel a little, a little weird. Um, and I just, whatever. So that's my thoughts. I definitely see both goalies playing at one point or another, but I, and maybe I'm in a minority here. Maybe everybody wants to to rotate them and live in this happy go lucky world. But I just, I I think I I really do think like finding a guy who's feeling confident and is, is studying his opponent's tendencies over a seven game series. And I just, I think there's some validity to that. And there's a reason why, even when I know not every team in the history of the NHL has had this type of tandem to do it with. I get that, but it makes me feel a little bit strange. So that's how I feel about it. Brian, the one goalie playoff run is so yesterday. Um, yeah, yesterday. I agree. I agree. I agree, but that's not what I'm calling for. I think, I, I think, I think, I know you, I, I know you're not putting words in my mouth. I'm just, I'm just I, I think there's a happy medium. I, I think, I think people are, it's either ride one guy or rotate. And, and I'm over here saying, why does it have to be black or white? Like, just just feel 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 it out and see how it goes. If you if you think one guy has a better shot in a given game, then go for it. But I just don't feel like forcing a rotation is. I don't know. It it could work. I'm 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 not I'm not God. I, like it could absolutely work, but it I just I think it's playing with fire a little bit. Because what happens if you go down like two zero and both guys lost the first two games? It's just weird. So I don't know. Yeah, I would say like on the flip side of that, like the one thing that would make me a little uncomfortable is, okay, there's obviously not a big difference between both of them. And so it's easy to sit here and say like, well, if if Allmark struggles, he can just go to Swayman. But I do feel like it can get a little uncomfortable where when you try to figure out, okay, well, how much does Allmark have to struggle for you to go to Swayman? You know, is it, one game and he, you know, if he's only mediocre in game one, are you going to swim in already in game two? Is it, you know, does he have to lose two in a row and then you're 
you know, maybe you stuck with them a game too long and now you're down in the series and you've dug yourself a hole. Like I think when there's a clear number one and, you know, clear number one, clear backup, you give that clear number one, a lot of leash, right? Like you, you're going to give them the chance to bounce back. Even if they lose two in a row, you, you know, as long as they haven't been horrible, you're probably sticking with them. I think like the fact that all Mark and Swayman are so close, you know, in just going back to like December, obviously season long numbers, all Mark has the edge, but from December on, like they're almost identical in terms of how good they've been. Um, you know, I do think it can get like a little tricky when you try to get into a situation where it's like, all right, when do we actually make that switch? And, you know, is it gonna, are you going to like affect all Mark's confidence if then you have to go back to him at some point? Like it's, they're so close that in my, like, not that I'm looking for just the easy way out. Like I advocate for the rotation. Cause I actually just as of right now feel like it would be best, but I also think like it, it would be easy where you have the set plan going in. You're telling them, Hey, we trust what's been working for all season you know, so this is what we're doing. Um, and I feel like it then gets tough trying to figure out when Allmark's actually going to sit, when you're actually going to make a switch to Swayman. Um, obviously it'd be great if Allmark just is awesome all playoffs along and, you know, you never even have to think about it, but at some point kind of to the point, like what you're talking about, Brian, it's like, okay, well, Swayman will play at some point, but then I think once you get into the, nitty gritty of like actually trying to pin down when that's going to be is in my mind, like the part that can get uncomfortable. I, I I hear that. Totally get that. Like I'm gonna let you finish. What's what did did Kanye West say about Taylor Swift? Um, But like, let me, like, let me, so let me paint you, let me, let's play this out for a second. Okay. Because again, I think this whole, this, this video game concept of rotating goalies is great. Both goalies are 99. What can go wrong? But let's say like, Game one, the Bruins and Allmark lose four to nothing. Okay. Game two, the Bruins go out and Swayman stands on his head. Bruins tie the series. You are unsure of Allmark's confidence because he lost game one and maybe he's doubting himself a little bit. Swayman gets you back into a tied series, but it's a rotation. So let's go with back with Allmark. I just I find that just so ballsy. I don't, just, really, I, I don't see an issue with it. Like I, well, I, okay. I would never, I would never think going to Allmark would be a dangerous thing to do. Like if so, or or vice versa. It just doesn't because seem as risky as you know. It's just so different than what other teams have dealt with. I think I think the best thing for us, maybe we just agree to disagree here because I feel like I feel like we could probably go an hour this way. I, I just think I, I understand how good both goalies are. I really think there's a human element to it that people just like are totally neglecting because while it worked all season and the regular season, which is totally different than the playoffs, it's totally different than the, than the postseason. It's a different animal. You're getting different teams on different schedules and different cities with like, it's just, it's different. And, and I don't know. I mean, so like all Mark loses game one, swimming wins game two. Allmark loses game three. Swayman wins game four. Two two series going back to Boston. Allmark's turn. Well, but but then like that's where like I can be talked into switching away from it. Like to me, when I say like I, I want to start the playoffs with a rotation, it's not I'm automatically sticking to it, you know, not even considering changing at any point. Like, yeah, if if one of them is way better through a you know, through four games and a two two split, like yeah, like absolutely. Then you just ride the hot hand at that point. So it's you know it's not. I want to make it clear, like it's not like a steadfast. Hey, we're going to every other game for two months, guys, and like nothing's going to change. It. Like I don't care if if Swayman's leg falls off, he's still getting the next game. Like kind of a cop out <laughs> to me. That's kind of a cop out. I, still- I want to go. We're going to go with the rotation unless it blows up my face in the first four games, and then I'll go back to maybe what Brian suggested earlier on. It's kind of a cop well, out. But- I mean, that's the same, but that's the same as any plan. Like you can say like, we're going to ride all Mark. And then if he sucks the first two games, you're not riding all Mark anymore. No, so. Yeah, but, I, no, but that's not true. Cause I said, I, I said that, uh, 
I said I would play both goalies in the playoffs. It just, but it would depend on the situation. I did say I'd play both goalies if I needed to. In my opinion, to your question earlier, Scott, you said something. Don't give me that look, Scott. In my opinion, <laughs> in my opinion, Brian's Brian's Mac and always sunny right now. I play both sides, so I'm not wrong. I'm not playing both sides. I'm against the rotation, and I and I, but I do concede that both goalies will have to get will play at some point. To answer your question earlier, Scott, you were like, "Well, when would you maybe make that switch?" I've said this before to you: if Allmark starts the playoffs and the Bruins go down 2-0, I'm switching the goalies. That's my threshold. If you go down a couple games in the series, change it up, and then and then ride who's hot from there. That's my opinion. I give Allmark the first two games. Would you have done that in 2011 when Tim Thomas loses the first two to Montreal and didn't look very good? No, but it's a different goalie situation now, which is why I said I'm down to play the both goalies in the playoffs. This, the, I I feel bad that I brought up Swayman because I feel like this first 20 minutes has just been an argument about Swayman and all. I mean, and I mean, I, I want I wanted I wanted Swayman playing over Rask three years ago, so I was I'm consistent yeah, with that. I mean, I did as well. I think we all did. He wasn't yeah. healthy. But um, I mean, the, we started this podcast talking about how it was a boring game. So yeah, like, true. <laughs> you know. So so what that we got sidetracked like <laughs> I, I didn't I, I didn't really need to past. do I didn't really need to do like a deep dive on on what the Bruins bottom six did tonight honestly no no but I can't get past something Brian said which was that um Scott's Taylor Swift in in his uh, Kanye scenario so anyway um and by yeah, the way Brian favorite. Scott gave me much worse here. looks today hey i mean who 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 looks better these days taylor swift or kanye so you know or scott I'll take, mclaughlin I'll, I'll take the i'll take the taylor swift there <laughs> all right, all right you're, well you're, let's you're, see you're what else do we got here stuff. um by the way scott when's your when's your popcorn uh uh brand launching and bridget did such a marvelous job with 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 scott's pops oh no <laughs> there it is <laughs> That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And now I'm glad it's on YouTube too, so people can see it. <laughs> Scott's yeah, pops. He, tried, he he hates me for this, Brian. He's still mad at me. I don't know why you're gonna, you're gonna be a millionaire. I, I think I think that could go. I, we I literally just helped you launch your brand, and you're like, he was like giving me so much shade throughout the game. Like Did, he wouldn't even talk to me. He said he didn't want to encourage it. I'm like, you can't stop me. I'm still gonna. I'm gonna just wait. Just wait till you see what else this goes yeah. on. Okay. Dare, dare I say, Bridget, that Scott should change his Twitter avatar from his current profile picture to Scott's Pops? This is what it's going to look like when he calls me every time. Can you imagine Imagine being one of, on a popcorn? Uh, imagine being one of Scott's followers that's like looking for his Bruins updates, like McAvoy to the room, sees that Scott's, Scott's Pops profile picture, or like, like Marshan goes offside, Scott's Pops picture pops up. I think it's great. I think it's genius. And currently, Tim is Santa, so. Yeah, yeah. So I better behave because I don't want to. I want to get cold next year. That um, that has been my Twitter avatar for at least a decade. Really? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I just haven't changed it. I don't know. This looks like it could be time. It could be time. Well, Scott, if it's not your profile picture, I'm going to make it mine. So it's going to be. <laughs> um. Okay, back to the Bruins game. So I did want to bring up one one thing in particular, and, and I'm looking for you guys for some advice on what Brad Marchand can do to get himself going before the postseason. I think it's one of the biggest storylines to follow going into the postseason. I mean, I absolutely think that he can go the next four games scoreless, and he is still a threat to break out in the playoffs and, you know, be a point-per-game guy in the postseason. I have no doubt about that. But with that said – He's got zero points in his last five. He has two points in his last eight and seven points in his last 10. So obviously clearly nine and 10 games ago, he had a, you know, five points combined, but in the last five games, zero points. Um, Again, we've talked about it before, but until he breaks out of it, we have to keep bringing this up. He just, he's part of a power play. That's losing uh, momentum for the Bruins. And five on five, he's not he's not doing a whole lot. Um, so I guess what what can he do to break out of this before the postseason? Or are you just kind of hoping that he just wakes up when April seventeenth comes around and whenever that round one starts? 
uh, I mean, one thing that stands out is like shoot more for starters. You know, I thought Thursday night, I actually thought he played pretty well. And I thought there were times he showed some flashes of kind of vintage Martian, like rising to the moment. He had, he had some nice moves. He had some nice, you know, quick cuts, stop starts, like to shake defenders. And that's one of the things where that I feel like you haven't seen enough this season, but then he was doing that. And then it wasn't really like, there wasn't a, a finish there. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't translating to really great scoring chances. And, you know, I just looked it up like four of his last five games. He has two, two shots on goal or fewer uh, Thursday night. He had one. So, you know, if you're talking about being in a goal scoring drought, which is now 14, what do we say, 14 games. games? Yeah. yeah. Um, like there's, there's one place to start is, just get more pucks on net. Like, I know that sounds simple. I'm not saying, you know, throw them on net from 50 feet out or anything, but, uh, you know, I do feel like he's been in some positions where like normally you expect him to get a shot off and he doesn't. It's like, he's either holding a little too long, looking to pass. There's one tonight where it just like didn't handle. It would have been a pretty good look. And he just didn't handle the pass cleanly. Um, you know, so I don't know. Like, is that him gripping the stick a little too tight? You know, seeing that, hey, I finally have a, a good look. And, you know, he's it's in his head a little. Like, I, I don't know. But um, that's a really obvious one is, like, he, he's got to shoot more. You know, one or two shots a game isn't – that's not good enough for him. Well, one of the most memorable Marshawn moments of the night against Toronto was that he had a wide open net to shoot in. He almost was the Bruins, you know, overtime hero, but he got hooked right as he was shooting and ended up being a a penalty. The Bruins go on the power play after that. Um, And correct me if I'm wrong, they scored on the power play, right? Um, Yeah. I I think it might have just ended. Yeah. Okay. So it was, then it was four on four. So, um, but yeah, so he draws the penalty and if they hadn't hooked him game would, you know, he would have ended it there. I had a wide open net. I have to think that he wouldn't miss it the way he did just shooting it all the way straight across the goal line out the other side. So he was so close. And, and sometimes you get an unfortunate thing like that, where the only thing the other team can do is, you know, take a penalty and stop you from scoring and ended up working for a few minutes, but then obviously Pasternak scoring the overtime game winner, but Marshawn was right there on that play. And that was a really good three on three unit that, that they had um, with Grizzly Bergeron and Marshawn. They started out that overtime really quickly getting some good opportunities and they looked really good. Almost scored. Like I said. Yeah. I mean, I think this game in particular was really tough. Both teams wanted to get up for it, but end of the day you have one team that's got the president's trophy locked up the other team is locked into their first round matchup with home ice already locked up i believe so against tampa so it was tough to manufacture which may have led to more of a stale game now as as far as marshan goes and scott bridget you i i don't believe you are at warrior for practices maybe here and there but scott not recently recently. Mm -hmm. scott like do you notice anything with Martian in practice? Like, is his is his skating still not where it needs to be post hip surgery? Because if that if if it's if that's the root of his problems right now, um, then that's concerning because it's not going to change anytime soon. But if he's just battling confidence or gripping the stick too tight, those are things that can change on a dime. So I, I guess. And you don't know the answer to this necessarily, but maybe your best guess. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Like, I'd be lying if I said anything stood out in practice. I, th- I think he's been practicing fine. He looks good when I'm watching. Um, but, you know, he's been open about, you know, he's still not quite where he wants to be. But that he has obviously, an ex- he sets an extremely high bar for himself. You know, you talk to, Montgomery or you talk to like Bergeron or DeBrusque or other players about it. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. He looks really good to me most of the time. So it's, you know, it's not like he's dropped down like three gears. It's like maybe, you know, 
a quarter of a gear below where he usually is skating wise. Um, I think some of the kind of what I just mentioned, like the, the quick cuts, the holding defenders off, gaining separation in tight spaces. I think some of that, maybe that little bit of short burst explosiveness, like that might be lacking a little bit. Um, but I don't think it's, I don't think that's what's causing the slump. Like, I, I think that's still in a good enough spot that he can produce. We've seen him have much better stretches than this, this season. You know, I, I, I think it's kind of just a slump that has snowballed on him a little bit. And, you know, he hasn't been able to break out of it as quickly as we're used to seeing, you know, this is now stretched on to his longest goalless drought in, in eight years, you know, he does have, I think eight assists during this. So it's not like he's totally off the score sheet until these last few games. And that's where I think it's kind of, you know, like it's almost gotten worse. It's like, it got to a certain point where he was like, okay, like, you know, I'm not breaking out of this yet. And now it's almost taking like another downturn instead of bouncing back. And I don't know, like, obviously you would like to see him break out of it before the end of the radio season. And if he doesn't get hooked and he gets that overtime winner, maybe that's the play that does it right. Like maybe it just takes the one to go in. So that can still happen between now and next Thursday when the, regular season ends. I also think like the start of the playoffs could just be kind of the spark and the reset that he needs. If it does stretch on that long, like I, you know, my expectation is like, I don't think we're going to see peak Brad Marchand from four years ago. Like, I just think realistically, that's probably not showing up this season just because it's been so long. Like it's now been basically an entire regular season that we haven't really seen it. So I'm not expecting that Marshan to magically show up now, but I do think that Marshan is capable, capable of being much better and producing much more than he has the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And this is what I wrote about. And, um, you know, really most of it still stands. I think when I wrote it, it was a 13 game streak without a goal. Now it's 14. Um, but the rest of, of what I was writing about still stands and, um, people were like commenting on the tweet and whatnot, like, Oh, you're just throwing them under the boss. It's not a slump. Well, it is a slump. Like you get to call it what it is. It's, it, it's definitely a characteristic of him, but they failed to read the ending, which was that it would also be uncharacteristic of him if he let it affect him in the playoffs, because he's been the Bruins leading goal scorer for playoffs in a row. Um, and he, remember he led the Bruins last year in goals, assists, and points through the seven game series with Carolina with two hips that needed surgery. So I just, I feel like he's a different, he, he has the ability to turn it on in the playoffs. Um, you have to call it what it is. It's a slump. Will it continue? It'd be surprising to me if it continued for an extended part of the playoffs. And when we talk about how it's been eight years since his last slump, well, that was a 15 game um goal is drought and that happened at the exact same point in the season starting in march and then going through to he scored in the last two games of the regular season kind of got back on track went into the playoffs that was a long time ago and the only his longest was 20 games that he went without a goal which were the entire 20 games of his first season in the nhl a long time ago so um yeah it's i i want to talk about it because it's important and um of note but he still has four games to try to get, get a goal before the playoffs. And he wants to play through it. He's said that um, he doesn't want rest. He doesn't think that would help him as much as playing through it. Well, far be it for me to explain to a former Stanley cup champion and potential future hall of famer, how to play hockey. So I'm not going to be condescending towards Brad Martian, but from what I see watching, I definitely see a guy who, uh, acknowledges the slump that he's in and he's trying to do too much to get out of it. And in doing so, he's skating into traffic as opposed to away from traffic. He's trying to skate through guys as opposed to, you know, skate around them and get pucks to areas where he can chase after and use his speed. And the puck's just dying on a stick because 
it's almost like it's almost like opponents know he's fighting it and they're just kind of like really caving in on him really really fast and when 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 you're getting caved in on you're not going to skate through three guys with stick handles it's just not going to happen put the puck to an area you can chase after it use your legs forecheck be a pest to on the forecheck which is what he that's his bread and butter always as as talented as Martian is with the puck on his stick historically like he is so effective when he's putting the puck into dangerous areas chasing after it forechecking efficiently finding Bergeron you know in the slot or whomever his line mates are like that's that's what he needs to get back to sometimes for star players to get off you know the the schneid of a slump they have to play more like a grinder and I think that if he incorporates that into his game down the, the last you know couple weeks of the season here hopefully that he can find some success and some confidence going to the playoffs and with confidence it's amazing what you can do with confidence on your side, but when you don't have that, you got to f- stick to the basics to regain it. And I think that's hopefully what he can do, uh, as Bridget mentioned in the final four games here. Well, and it's similar thing you could say about the power play. The power play did not look good again today, um, aside from the overtime power play. Um, but that's obviously you have a lot more space in a four on three. Um, but the regulation power plays did not look good, and it seems like a confidence thing with that too. Yeah, it for sure. Um, you know, it, it's for the power play. It's like I was advocating for this check unit to get more time together, and unfortunately for them, like that totally fell apart because Krejci's missed the last two games. And to touch on another update from Jim Montgomery after the game, it sounds like it's possible that Krejci misses another game or two. Like they mm-hmm. just want to be super safe and, and understandably so but and based on his comments i feel like it's like more likely than not that he's not playing the next game against new jersey yeah i would agree like it sounded like both Krejci and mcavoy are gonna mm-hmm. sit at least that game and then possibly sunday as well since that's a back-to-back with travel like why if those guys are sitting saturday why then throw them on a plane for a one-day trip um so yeah it's possible that they both miss two games and that you know now that leaves just two games after that to try my check power play idea so i'm sure the bruins would have loved you know they basically reunited like their usual top unit it was lindholm Pasanak, bergeron marchand debrusque i'm sure they would love to get that going in this you know, while they're together again um, before crazy comes back. But it, man, like it kind of looks a, a lot of like a lot of the same, like they were still, still struggling to get into the zone, still not moving enough. It's, it, it's kind of amazing. Like it's just the same thing over and over again with that unit. And again, I come back to like, do they just need, you know, raises me this point that last year they struggled and then they were good against Carolina in the playoffs. Do they just need like the playoffs to get here? So they have more urgency. And, you know, I, I do kind of wonder about that with guys like Marsha and Bergeron in particular, where it's like, they're not, you know, Pasternak while he won't, he won't really like, admit that like he wants to get 60 goals, but it's like, that's a pretty good goal to be shooting for. Other guys, you know, have career highs or are approaching career highs. And it's like Martian and Bergeron aren't that. Like they don't they don't have like any individual numbers or accomplishments or feats to to chase right now. So and you do kind of wonder, it's like, you know, is it gonna take until the playoffs for those guys in particular to really feel the sense of urgency and like kick up the intensity level? Correct me if I'm wrong. Bergeron has incentives in his contract, but I'm pretty sure they're all really, really low when they were going to be passed really early on in the season. Yeah. 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 Him and Krejci both already hit them all a long time ago. Yeah. Cause they were more of a formality in terms of structuring yeah. the contract. But um, anyway, yeah. Krejci not being out. And Pasternak almost wasn't out there either because what we heard from coach after the game was that Pasternak was dealing with a stomach issue. Um, decided he told coach he wanted to play. So he was like, well, I'm, you know, it's up to him. He's going to play. And when I asked him about it after the game, he said, 
Uh, he learned from Bergeron and some of the other guys you can play through anything. So it's kind of just, um, you know, a hockey player move to play, even though you're not feeling a hundred percent. Yeah, I absolutely do agree with what you guys talked about as well with, uh, the power play in the playoffs. I mean, you don't want to rely on that, but I do, I do think that there's an element of just the, the buzz in the arena when a power play happens, knowing in a playoff game and a playoff series, how important and special teams is. And just when you're, when you're in a, when you're in a one, one tight checking game and you get a power play in the middle of the third period and you know, these don't come around too often in this, in this game. You want to, the, the state, when the stakes are higher, these guys are all world players. It, they seem to rise to the occasion. And I guess the, the, the silver lining is like, if the Bruins power play was clicking at like an absurd rate right now, maybe the, the fear would be, well, maybe they've been too good and they might go cold in the playoffs. Like, so there's always like the grass is always greener. Uh, you can always look at things from different perspectives and, um, from a personnel perspective, yeah, sure, they got to figure out what they want their units to be when they're fully healthy. Hopefully, Taylor Hall comes back soon, gives them a different look. Um, all I know is that there's just way too much talent for 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 this team to, you know, I know they were four of fourteen, I think, or four of ten, their last ten going into tonight's game. Uh, obviously, primarily that was the other unit with Zaka and and, and Bertuzzi and, and stuff like that. So. Um, but yeah, I just, tonight, tonight was frustrating. It's, I just, again, the puck's dying on Marshan's stick. You're losing momentum. You can't even get the crowd into it. They're not taking, they're not shooting it. Not to sound like the guy in the 300s yelling to shoot, but like, just shoot it at some point now. Um, and even in overtime, Bridget, you mentioned the overtime power play. See, I thought that overtime power play wasn't great. Um, I thought that, you know, Marshan, DeBrus got a chance in front of the net, but it wasn't by design. It was kind of just like a fluky puck went out to the to the, to the crease. And then I thought that like Orloff, I'm mean not Orloff, I thought Lindholm and Marshan were just playing, they were playing pass together for like an absurd amount of time on a four on three. It's like, guys, get closer to the net and like find an attacking lean. Like, wh- what are you doing? Just, you know, what are you doing? You look like a bunch yeah. of high school kids in warmups. Like, like attack the net. Yeah, and then before the winner, like the one one timer that they set up for Pasternak, Lindholm was already shaded to that side of the ice. It was like a eight foot pass, and it was like the goalie's not moving. Like the goalie was already on that side of the net tracking Lindholm, and now you just passed it further off to the side. Like any goalie's going to get completely square to that shot with no problem. It, like it would have taken a like miracle fitted into like a, you know, six inch by six inch hole for Pasenak to score there. Like there was absolutely nothing to shoot at. And it's like, yeah, four and three, like you shouldn't be settling for an, you know, an outside one timer where the goalie's not even on the move. Yeah. I just feel like, I just feel like they're playing on their heels rather than on their toes in the power play. And it's just very evident. Like they just don't, you there's no, there's no, there's no scoring threat, and I don't know. They they got to figure it out. Is it confidence? I don't know. Is it because they've just been playing a little bit subconsciously, going through the motions, knowing that everything is that? I don't know. But whatever it is, it's just it's too passive. It's too nonchalant. They're not creating two on ones in the ozone. Like they're not. There's not enough movement. Not enough shots to the net. Not enough traffic. I mean, literally everything you want in a power play. There's not enough of it certainly not enough conviction and there's no confidence in their game. And it's, it's very evident now. Yes, they did score following the power play um, seconds after Riley got out of the box. But even that, like you, you watch past snack and he's telling Coyle to pass it to Lindholm. Um, I believe it was Lindholm and Coyle passed it to past Instead, past didn't want the puck now, or it actually it was Orloff, but fortunately Orloff gave it back to pass quickly for the goal. But it's it just, I don't know the power play was, was a problem again. And if you're not going to score on it, worst things in life will happen, but do not lose momentum. And especially at home, when you have a building that's ready to erupt at any moment for you in the postseason, don't let the building be flat because you can't get your shit together in the power play when you have an extra guy out there. So I don't know. 
there's my TED talk on that for now. <laughs> Brian's got all the rants tonight. I was a little feisty. I was on a. You were feisty today. Uh, I'm a little feisty. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> well, we need to switch gears. Is it's running late? It's gotta, guys early, but we did want to talk about one last thing, uh, which was what Scott's working on for an article tomorrow, I believe. Um, well, which maybe potentially, or we'll, we'll we'll talk about it here a little bit. Maybe Scott's going to write about it. Well, it's just because the Bruins' first round opponent, it's not locked in. And it's kind of been changing and moving and there's just um, there's a potential for it to be Pittsburgh, the Islanders, Florida. I saw Brian tweet today that Florida might be the team the Bruins want to avoid in the playoffs. That might not that that that's a team that has a little bit of extra fight and, you know, some grittier players. Um, but yeah, if you want to touch on that first, Scott, um, just thoughts on with four games left in the season for the Bruins. Um, what they're looking at for the playoffs. Yeah, well, it's, it's especially interesting tonight because all three of those teams had pretty impressive wins Thursday night. Um, Florida, who's been scoring a lot lately, beats Ottawa 7-2. to Islanders, impressive 6-1 win over Tampa. And Pittsburgh, 4-1 win over Minnesota. And Minnesota's been playing really well. So, um, you know, Pittsburgh seems to alternate good and bad games. So I don't, you know, if they can't string together a few wins here in the last four, like I don't think alternating wins is going to be good enough because uh, Islanders and Panthers, Panthers especially have just been playing better than that. They're on a five game um, win streak. And now yeah. they're in, now they're in the seventh spot, the, the top wildcard spot and the Islanders have dropped out of that. So they've, they've jumped um, both of those teams recently. Yeah, because they yeah right now they have the regulation wins tiebreaker, um, yeah. which is a, another problem for Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh has no chance of catching either team in the regulation wins. So, um, yeah, I mean, I you know I think Pittsburgh would be the easiest matchup. I think that much is pretty clear. Not that I'm saying like they would definitely be a pushover, but they have the even as great as. Crosby, Malkin, Latang all still are. Like they have the least amount of stuff that worries you. They have very shaky goaltending, shaky team defense, not great depth. So, you know, I I still feel like, and I know I think Brian disagrees here, but I still feel like I fear the or I don't fear any of them, but the one that would concern me the most, I, I still think it's the Islanders, just because of Ilya Sorokin, I just think he's clearly the best goalie on any of those teams. And to me, any recipe for any of those teams potentially upsetting the Bruins in the first round would have to involve include great goaltending. And I think the Islanders are the team that would be most likely to have that. So, But there's no doubt that Florida's playing really well right now. Yeah, I think I agree with Brian. I think Florida um, is a team that just because of where they're peaking um, is at the time of year that you kind of want to see your team getting these wins. Um, like I mentioned on a five game win streak, uh, they would need to come in uh, after the Islanders or, or Pittsburgh, but not both. Um in order for the Bruins to play them. So they'd have to finish in that eighth spot. Uh, I just, I feel like Kachuk is a guy you just generally don't want to play against in the playoffs. I, I think he's one of those agitators who um, could either hurt your guys or draw a penalty for some sort of retaliation. Um, some other players on that team as well. Um, I, my mind has changed to it being Florida that would be the, the harder matchup of the three for the Bruins and it's going to be something that comes down to the last day because um the Islanders and Florida are tied with 89 points and then right behind them Pittsburgh has 88 points so we're we're really really close going down to it Bridget I'm giving you the uh the Baltimore hug to Draco Malfoy in the seventh movie come to, welcome to the dark side um <laughs> I was already here Brian I yes. was always here <laughs> 
Um, I mean, look, I, I totally appreciate and uh, understand where Scott's coming from with how important goaltending is, and goaltending can absolutely steal a series. So I don't want to discount why he why he thinks the Islanders are a great, would be a great challenge for the Bruins. Um, but I just think that the, the Bruins lost to the Islanders in six games a couple of years ago. I think that series could have gone Boston's way. I mean, people forget, mm-hmm. you know, the puck hopped over Lozon's stick in game five and the Islanders won overtime. And the Bruins also just, they are so much better than they were that year. It, it's, it really is like on paper. And the Islanders uh, are worse. The Islanders are worse. The Bruins, I mean, the depth that the Bruins have right now is the talent and the depth that the Bruins have right now is unmatched. But, Completely unmatched. You can you can tell me anybody, Colorado. Um, I, I don't care. It's unmatched this year. Um, and the Islanders aren't as good as they were uh, a couple of years ago. I certainly like. I actually didn't. I feared the Barry Trotz effect. Barry Trotz is a very very defensive sound coach. I think the Islanders are still defensively sound, but Barry Trotz was a very 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 good coach. He deserved better on the island, but you. If you look at their roster outside of the goal, like Florida's is better. Um, it's more dangerous. There's more high-end talent. I mean, there's some – There's some. the Islanders have some good little players, but, I mean, it's nothing to really fear outside of the, the netminder, in my opinion. Uh, but you go to the Florida Panthers, and I guess what I'm about to say stands true for the Islanders as well, so take it with a grain of salt. But um, I really do feel that – the, while the Bruins have unmatched depth and talent on their roster, especially compared to these wild card teams, I, there's something about playing a team that has been fighting for their playoff lives pretty much all season, and certainly in the second half of the season. And they're every single game that they're in, you know, they're they're mentally engaged, they're physically engaged. Um, they're realizing that they have the talent to be a lot better than they, what they were most of the season. I'm going to give myself a stick tap for bringing up the Keith Kachuk comments last time we spoke about the Panthers because they've used it as a rallying cry. His son, Matthew Kachuk, who Bridget just mentioned, was on a podcast and talked about how that lit a fire in their room and that his father should get an award for, like, uh, not GM of the year, but, like, um, front off. I don't know what he said. It was something funny, but... The Panthers definitely, I feel like, with Radko Gudis on the back end and Matthew Kachuk up front, there's a physical element right there. Uh, Ryan Lomberg, I think his name is. Like, there's guys that run around on the Panthers, but they also have uh, Alexander Barkov and, like, Aaron Ekblad. And Bobrovsky is a pretty good goaltender as well. Um, I know he's inconsistent, but there's a lot there. Um, I just don't want to play that in the first round if I don't have to. I really I, – I, I absolutely could see that the Panthers – really getting up for a series against Boston. Obviously every team is going to get up for the playoffs, but if you were to tell me that the Florida Panthers roster upset the Boston Bruins roster, I would have much more believe that over the Islanders roster upsetting the Bruins roster. So um, I don't want to play Florida. I'm not saying I'm afraid of them, but if you're asking me the war of attrition factor, I think, I think that I don't want to play Matthew Kachuk for seven games. I don't, I don't need him Jersey jabbing, you know, Pasternak and McAvoy, not that the Bruins don't have the guys to counter that and tell them to cut the shit. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't need to see that for seven games. It'd be fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. As a hockey fan, it'd be fun as a Bruins fan who doesn't want to see guys get hurt. If they don't have to, then I'm, I'd rather uh, skip, skip that team if I could. Yeah. I, I do think the Panthers have more of the element of like, they could do some damage in the sense of injuries you know, and not even necessarily like cheap shots, but just being physical. Um, I, I just, I really have a hard time seeing the Panthers winning a series I, against the Bruins, though. I agree. Like, We're going to have to agree to disagree here again. We need a Venn da- diagram because I sided with Brian on this. I sided yeah. with on, on well, the conversation. Like, I still look at that Panthers roster. I'm like, yeah, there's some good pieces there. Like, it's, Yes, there's still some holdovers from the team that won the President's Trophy last year. And then that team ran into a much more complete, deeper team in the Lightning and got swept. And I look at that, and I'm like, is this Panthers team better than last year's? I don't think so. 
you know, it, it looks a little different, but I don't think they're a better roster overall. And I just look at the Bruins and I think they're so much better. They're so much deeper, so much more well-rounded. I trust their goaltending more. Like I, I really struggle to see a way that the Panthers could actually win a series. Whereas with the Islanders, like I also don't think they would win a series against the Bruins, but I can at least see the blueprint. Like I can see Sorokin standing on his head. I can see those defensemen making it hard to score. You know, they still have Pellick and Pollock and Mayfield and Dobson and the kid Alexander Romanov, I think is a pretty good player. Like there's still guys there that they're big, they're mobile. Like they can, they can make it hard to score even if they don't have that Barry Trotz factor. So I can see that blueprint a little bit easier. Again, I'm not super worried about either team. I think the Bruins should roll in four or five, six at most. I don't see any of those going seven games. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm still kind of on the boat of, like, keep keep me away from the the only goaltender who actually has a, a case to be in the Vezina conversation with Elmark. Like, I would rather stay away from him. Yeah, the only problem is the Islanders can't win games zero to zero. So when you can't score, he, the, that Sorok would have to, he would literally have to pitch probably a shutout or, or give up a goal game on average because the Islanders. And then maybe score score one like Allmark. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, look, I, at the end of the day, I think, I think we all agree. I think it's a matter of just like, and this is going to sound like a spoiled, pompous, arrogant Bruins fan. Um, and I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but it's for, it, it's more about like, okay, what, what opponent can help you lick your wounds quicker getting into round two than, than the other one because I think they're going to get by whoever's in front of them in round one. It's just a matter of what kind of style do you want to see the Bruins play in round one. And, you know, I think, I think Scott, you raised some great points. I definitely, I, I understand all of them. I, I agree with them too. Um, I just think, uh, I, you know, Florida's roster might not be as good as it was last year, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't, it's not as, black and white as like, well, they're, they're better on paper last year. They're, do they have more intangibles this year? Are they tougher? Have they learned their lessons? Like, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out. So Bridget, Panthers, Brian, Panthers, Scott, you suck. Um, all right. What's the next topic? <laughs> we're talking about here? By, by the way, just one last thing on, on the Panthers and also so I can get, get that off the screen. Um, <laughs> so people – like with Matthew Kachuk, you know, you hear a lot of like he's a playoff style player. I would just point out he has not been good in the playoffs in his career. He has 15 points, seven goals in 27 career playoff games, which is like what his regular season rates of scoring. And I realize 27 games isn't, you know, a huge sample size, but he's, he's had some tough playoff series. So, I don't know, maybe feel like, hey, that gives him, you know, something to prove he wants to shake that or whatever. But, um, yeah, like, you would think his style would translate better than it has. Well, it's still – he can still be impactful without scoring in the playoffs. So, like, his style still can be impactful without, you know, necessarily it showing up there on the score sheet as much as his numbers were in the regular season. I am tired. I am – But the Panthers – Scott – Scott, the the Panthers would need him to score. We're talking about beating the Bruins. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, yeah, but yeah, but we're not. We're not though. Like, I I I don't think like like the point of this conversation is about who's going to be. I mean, I guess you could say who scares you most. I don't. I don't think any of us think that the Bruins are in jeopardy against any of these I teams. Think, I, think I think here are two things we all agree on: that the Bruins with the goalie thing, both goalies being health healthy, is the only reason why we're having this debate about rotation or whatever that's a win both your goalies are healthy and can play um at such a high level that you'd consider playing them in the playoffs and it's kind of semantics what we're talking about with playoff opponents because we all agree that those three teams pittsburgh islanders um and florida are all teams that they should and could and more than likely will be in a first round series so we agree on that we do can we we end on that (laughs) 
Yeah, the, the the last thing I would say is for is for Bruins fans listening and watching is that uh, Saturday night the Bruins have a chance to tie Montreal, Tampa, and the mid nineties Red Wings for the for the NHL record for wins in a season sixty two. Of course, we'll have a couple of chances to to tie that if they don't get it Saturday night and also eclipse that. Um, so and they we could will- do it in Montreal. They could pass it in Montreal last game of the season. Yeah, my my money's on them passing it before then, but oh, that's, yeah. true. that's true. Um, well, so, but the, they they could pass the points record in Montreal though, because that that one's a little further off. I think they're what six, five mm-hmm. five from tying, six from breaking that now. So okay, so yeah, so I mean, you won't be listening to us until after that that Saturday night game. So um, if you didn't know, now you know. And uh, yeah, we got. I think get- we we probably won't be recording till Sunday. Would be my guess. All right. Well, let's Scott. Let's let uh, Bridget out of here. Get her beauty sleep. Uh, you gotta get your beauty sleep too, Scott. I'm not want to discount that. Uh, you don't just wake up like this. So um, <laughs> thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>